All right, the Lord is good. If you believe it, give me an amen. amen. All right, let's take our declaration of understanding as we begin to study. What we are doing, I keep repeating it, is um, activating our spirits. Let me remind us again to not that this, let me remind us concerning the power of the tongue, especially in declaration. I did something last time. I took from the book of Isaiah, uh, sorry, Psalms 95, and we read it all together. So what we're doing was just declaring the lordship of Jesus into the environment, and it's something that we began to do in um, our household. Every day we wake up in the morning, and sometimes I just wake up by myself. My wife does that. I do it. Uh, the children do it. We gather together and just declare the lordship of Jesus into the environment. It is important. It's in the scriptures like that. We should do that. So if you see that, Psalm 95, it's very beautiful. Uh, if you would just allow me, let me just read a few verses of it before we go. I won't read everything, all right? Just a few verses. You can open if you want to join me. We'll just see from verse 2 and um, read it to verse, the first part of verse 7, Psalm 95. I just want to remind us of it again. I'll start oh, from verse 3. It said, The Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In whose hands are the depths of the sea, the peaks of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for it was he who made it, and his hand formed the dry land. Say, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hands. If you can spare time every morning, declare this into the environment. Find other scriptures that declare the lordship of Jesus Christ. Declare it into your home. Declare it over your children. Declare it into your business. All right? You own an office. Go there when there's nobody there or arrive early and just speak the words into the atmosphere. Words are very powerful. They are one of the ways by which we release generated spiritual power into the environment. We generate spiritual power different ways. Through our prayers, through our spirits, the way our spirits are configured the things that we have heard and believed. Now, that's very important. Hearing and believing generates, you know, like potential energy. Can I use that expression? It generates this inside us. When we pray, we are generating spiritual power, but we release it into our environment with our words. Very important. And there are so many, people are releasing so many negative words into the environment. We need to release the real ones. We need to. All right? You are a student on a campus. Gather a few of your friends doesn't have to be every day, maybe once a week, especially early in the morning. Maybe it's any time between 1 a.m. and 5 a.m., okay? Just gather in one particular corner, especially if the area is elevated. Look over the campus and declare the words. And declare the words. This is not about we declare peace on this campus. That one is good. No, just lift up the name of the Lord over the place. This is not the reason why we are doing it, but we can take an example from it. Muslims do that five times a day. I heard the testimony, a child is born, is the first thing the child hears. As the child is being delivered, the first thing they tell the child is the first, that declaration, they scream it into the ears of a newborn. There are some spiritual forces being generated on some sides that make life just so tough. Look, let's not forget to do it, alright? So, Christians, remember, I feel like saying this before we sit down. Christianity is not for the time of prayer alone. It's a constant thing. Say have faith in God constantly. It's not just when we want to pray. We'll start learning some things. Just let's make it a, a, you know, a habit.
to create spiritual activity around us. And the other day, one of my kids, I saw him reading. I said, come here. I hugged him, and I put his head into my chest. I said, God will crown your efforts with his grace. I declare like that for like a full minute. Ah, I came one day, you are reading. Next day, ah, you are there reading. I said, come. I put my hands on him and began to declare. It was in prayer time. My wife didn't even know I did this until now that I'm saying if she's hearing, listening now, that's when she will know, oh, you did that? You enter into your car. Just give thanks for the car. Nothing, there's nothing, you're not traveling, no? you're not binding every enemy that's standing on the road waiting for you. No. You just enter the car and say, ah, this car is mine. I'm not saying it's a good one. No. Are you getting my point? I'm not saying you just, you just got a fresh car and you are still full of excitement. I mean, the car is yours. Just sit there and give thanks. Father, I want to thank you for this instrument of comfort and function. Just generate it. You are, what are, you are, oh, God, sometimes you wake up at night, your wife is lying down there. Just give thanks for her for a minute. Remember all the good things and just give the Lord thanks. Same thing, your husband is sleeping, just give thanks for him. Listen, don't ever allow your mouth to be an, you know, a, a spring of negative water, of bad water. Many people, you know, that's what they do every day. Listen, I've told you, when it comes to the country, Nigeria, eh? you don't have to say anything. If you must say something, it must be positive. One thing we declare almost every day, when we are praying in my house, every, almost every time, I hardly forget there is the lift of the name of God that he makes wars cease. What kind of country is this one? The government is not doing anything. Bandits, bandits are running the country over. What do you think you are doing? You think it's just commentary? It's not just commentary. What are you doing? You are generating negative spiritual forces. You are improving the ability of the bandits to aim and hit. Why? You said they will take the country over. Remember, life is a battle of what? Words. words. It's a battle. The words are prepared by faith, by hearing, but then they have to be released. And when we are releasing them, we are releasing spiritual power. Most people, and it's most painful when they are believers. One of the strongest quarrels I've had with people recent times, and the reason my wife like, was like, why did that react that harshly? I was telling my wife, why, I think why I re- reacted that harshly is because this person is supposed to be a believer. If you're not a believer, I probably would not have noticed. After all, people talk nonsense every day. Oh, no, no, rubbish talking is normal. There's one radio station, let me not mention their name. In Enugu here. There was a time, I told this before, I will shut you down with prayer. I will prophesy against you until you close. But they now repented. I think Thor Reverend helped them repent. Because every time you tune, you see that they are staying up strife and anger. I said this before, I will close you down. I didn't come to Enugu to come and get rich. I came to Enugu to close people like you down. I'm serious. Just for information, that's why God plans you in places. Stop looking for where you will get money. Look for where you will have influence. If I pray for Enugu, eh? Naturally, I was born and bred. My parents, both of them are from there, Ondo State. But my prayer for Ondo State is not a, I don't think it's like quarter as effective as when I pray for Enugu. I have lived here all my, not my, all my adult life, but all my valuable adult, you know, it, <laughs> family life, all my family life. I married and came to Enugu a few months afterwards. 
I've lived in Enugu for which month are we in? March. Okay. 20 and a half years. September this year to make it 21 years that I've lived in Enugu. So if you come to Enugu, you're a troublemaker. I will kill you with prayer. That is, you will die by fire. I'm not joking, no. I, I won't tell you die. I won't tell you die. I will just raise the word of God, the lordship of Jesus into the air. So hard that if you oppose it, you don't jam. Listen, believers, this, this mouth is not only for singing for your wife. Singing for your wife is good. Tell your husband, you have not told me you love me recently. Why do women do things like that? <laughs> That's not what all that God gave you this mouth for. For cracking jokes and saying things that are not creating anything. No, that's not all. The primary reason, one of the things that my children were, and I have been discussing in the house for the last few days and I think up to two weeks now, I tell them we are God's prophets. We are not just God's children, we are his servants. And the servant work we do, one of them is prophesying. I wanted to prophesy yesterday. Was it yesterday or two days ago? I told them, oh, because I noticed that you know, it rained the day before, so all the windows were shut. I said, no, open the window. How can you lock this kind of prophecy inside the house? So we opened the window. So you think I can go out. <laughs> and what were we doing? Just take Psalm 95, then the whole of 96, and just read it into the air. It's not just a simple religious exercise. It's, it's warfare. We are getting engaged in warfare. Don't forget it. Every time we come here, we declare that we're about to declare now. It's important. It's important. I even tell the children every morning, do it. As soon as you wake up, recite it. When I say, have you done it? When they forget, back to your room. One of the things they must declare is, I am being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom. Every morning, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of it, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. Once they just gather, my wife and I will look at them and say, "What well, is not? There are three of them. Even the grace is part of it. Because of the grace of that's you are waking up in the morning, you are sharing the grace. Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, surely I have passed out of death. I have passed into life. I have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. I have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in my life. I am now filled with the Spirit of Christ. I live above sin and walk above the devil." Because I'm seated high above with Christ. This is my season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Before you come out of your room in the morning, do that. Let's make it a habit. What did I say? Listen, there are some I write here and I I I share with us, right? Create your own. Sit down and write your own. There are different seasons of life. There are different things we are involved in. For each season and different uh, sector of life, write one. Write one and declare. Make sure it's full of scriptures or derived directly from scriptures. And release it into the air. Uh, there's a man I've been listening to talking about demons. I just wanted to get his perspective on this demonology thing again. But many of the things he says, I say, okay, anybody full of the, of the word does not need this deliverance service. So you have to cast out the demon. I say, if you cast in the word, the demon will, <laughs> will look for space. No, there are places that cannot, two people cannot stay there. If demon is sitting there, cast in the word. That's what Paul said. No, if you go and check, some of the people say, we're going to drive out the demon in this area. Paul never did that, not one time. 
What did he do? He preached the gospel there. If the people believe the gospel, the environmental demon will run away. And the demon cannot make them not believe. Don't make it like it. No, 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 no. You pray for the people. and you. That's what he said. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is what? The power of God unto salvation. If you watch Schofield explain that word, salvation. Seven different words he used to explain it. Deliverance, healing, wholeness. He mentioned seven different words inside that word, salvation. Is a power of God unto deliverance. So just uttering the word of God, the gospel of Jesus into an environment, demons will find space. Remember, Satan is always trying to buy our tongue. Always trying to buy our services. Tempting us, that's what I mean. Speak for me now. Speak on my side. And now join the multitude to do evil. In fact, this country is finished. This country is finished. And then you, don't, you think you're just running commentary. Go and read Final Quest. I keep on referring to that book. Rick Jonah, you need to explain that many Christians are working for Satan, for the, for the kingdom of darkness. They don't realize it. They are firing arrows every day at other believers. And they're saying the kingdom is not moving forward. Why? The tongue is not being used for the right thing. Anyway, we've already preached one message today, right? Let's not get into today's message, amen? All right, before we take our seats, uh, for those who are already sitting there, you may wish to rise. All right, the Lord is good. All right, let's take that declaration together. One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The Lord is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. amen. As you are sitting down, you are getting healed in Jesus' name. Please take your seat. The word is coming for the word of power is coming forth to you today in Jesus' name. All right, the Lord is good. Now, let me just tell you, you are blessed for coming here today. And in case you are joining us online, you are blessed also. Yeah, you are blessed. You are blessed. I just feel like saying that. He sent his word and heals them and delivered them from all their destructions. Deliverance is in paying attention to his word. Amen? That's what it is in. All right. Um, quickly, let's open our Bibles today to the book of uh, John chapter 3. We have been talking about the entrance of faith. And I've been trying to explain to us that faith comes through. There's a seed of faith in every believer in Christ Jesus. But you feed it through knowledge. Once God gives you that spirit of understanding, that spirit of revelation, you have a duty to feed your heart with knowledge. The things that you know they produce the helpful faith grow in your life. Faith is a derivative of knowledge, of understanding. That's what I want us to understand. So instead of just trying to get up to have faith to be healed, look for re- the reason why you should be healed. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Many people think that faith is based on desire. Faith is not based on desire, not at all. Desire is good, but that is not what faith is. Desire is good, but not, that's not what faith is. Faith is based on knowledge and understanding. That is, 
Why will I be healed? You know, you see there was a man that the Bible says that Paul saw that he had faith to be healed. What happened to that man? He heard Paul teaching the word. That also produced faith to be healed in him. I hope you're getting my point. Sometimes, you know, I've heard many times Christians will explain some things to you. They say, God still expects... But then they finish explaining. They've taken the power to heal away from the Lord Jesus Christ and they've given it to doctors. They forget that Israel didn't have doctors and the people were still healed. The priests ministered healing to people. I hope you're getting my point here. All right? What I'm trying to say is that sometimes we convince ourselves and as we are speaking like that, do you understand? What happens is that we release, we remove the power of God to heal people, to heal, all right, from our lives. Because we just make excuses. Based on our understanding, though, I told you the story of daddy that one woman in my office came and said, help me, talk to the people in power so they could help me employ somebody. I said, well, the people know me, I know, but they also know many people. So I can understand the pressures they are under at this particular point. So I was a bit reluctant. I said, well, I'll speak to one person, but the truth is that don't count on it. He said, oh, God, please help me. I have no, nobody but Jesus. The moment she said that, I said, why don't you just talk to the Jesus? And I meant it. If you really have Jesus, why are you in my office? Now, I didn't mean that I wasn't quarreling, I wasn't insulting. I really meant it. That uh, It's been solved now. You don't need little people like us. When you have Jesus, I have respect for the big boss. I hope I get my point. Jesus is the big boss. You mean you know the governor among the nations? And you're in my office begging me? <laughs> I wasn't trying to mock her. I really meant it. I said, well, if you know Jesus, just talk to him. Get into his office. <laughs> the word is night day. Are you getting my point? <laughs> just stay in one corner somewhere and say, Jesus, I want to talk to you. You are the only one I have. Oh, God, I pray. You know, you know what God is looking for? Opportunities like that to show that indeed he's in charge. But we don't give it to him. We go to the first office, please help me now. You know, I don't have, I don't have anybody but God. And God says, this is my office. <laughs> if really, you know you don't have anybody but God. Just so as, let it appear like you went to God's office. Go to a church when there's no service. I just said, Lord, I came to see your office. That's not really his office. I hope you know that. Sometimes there's what we call faith extenders. It's just to extend your faith. Just make it look like, you know, something's going on. <laughs> there's one woman, I, I told the story here that this happened to her. She told the story to my wife. So it's really authentic gist. She did it herself. She needed to report somebody to God. So he said, Lord, can, can we talk? So she got a big chair and said, Lord, sit here. She got a very big chair in her house. And put it down. At midnight, one odd hour when nobody was awake, she stood in front of the chair. She stood there like I came to report a matter to you, sir. So the Lord told the Lord, if you don't mind, please sit over here. Got a big chair <laughs> and stood and called the person who offended her. Say, please stand here. The person was not there physically, but called him, please stand here. And turned to the chair, Lord, please. I brought... Let's assume the person's name is Mr. James. I brought the matter of Mr. James to you. He took money from me six weeks ago. He's supposed to help me clear a portion of land. Every day he's been telling me one story or the other. Lord, I have nobody. Now, listen to me. The woman is a widow. And be afraid of widows. If they pray about you. If you want to offend people, offend soldier. 
God will not defend him. Are you getting my point? He's a soldier. <laughs> I'm telling you, offer Mopo, because Mopo can handle him matter. <laughs> You're not going to offend a fatherless or a widow, somebody who doesn't have, you know, help. Especially when you think so. Ah, that's when your matter is worse. So what, what will he do? What will she do? You know why? Because God is a husband to the widow and the father to the fatherless. So you will like, I wish you, you, off- you offended a corner's wife. That would have been better. Because corner matter, you can carry to the, to the general, right? You can carry to the president. But who do you want to carry God's matter to? You know, Eli said that to his children. <laughs> if you offend a man, you know, you can get somebody to say to. But you offend God. The boys is not here. Now they die, join their papa. That is the, their iniquity killed their father too. So this woman did that. And just finished laying the petition before the Lord. Do you know, by the time she said, by 7 a.m. next month, the man had finished the work. Did you hear what I said? Do you know what happened? The Lord sent an angel to his house. The man could not sleep. The mo- that is the first break of light. It was down to the plot where it was supposed to work. By the time she passed there, going to work by around 7, 7.30, the place was clean. And when, when, when she came down to come and say, ah, what happened here? The man ran, said, don't come near me. <laughs> Literally, the man said, don't come near me. This woman, you're a witch. I like that kind of witchcraft. <laughs> All she did was just tell Lord, please sit down here. True story. True story. Listen, God is looking for people who will believe him. Looking for people. Who, you know what the Bible says? It said the eye of the Lord runs to and fro the whole earth. Why? He said looking for the person whose heart is perfect towards him. Why? So he can show himself strong on the person's behalf. I don't know where I get my point. That is, God is looking for a way to flex. That's what he's looking for. Say, hi. That is, I can imagine every day, Papa God is looking at these people. Ha, I'm looking for a troublemaker so we can fight. But the children don't come. They don't believe him. They don't trust him. He said, you know, at the point I told Israel, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. All this bringing, okay, let's really go and give God his 10%, give him his first fruit. God said, this thing, that's what I'm looking for. He said, I want sacrifices that come out of gratitude for something you allowed me to do. He said, offer to the Lord a sacrifice of what? Thanksgiving. That's what he was saying. That this habitual, ah, it's the first of the month, let's give to God. He said, that's not what I'm looking for. For them, that there was animal sacrifices. He said, okay, I've seen your... First fruits, I've seen your second fruit, I've seen this one there. He said, where is the sacrifice of thanksgiving? Where I flex my muscle on your behalf. Many people don't know. When Jacob left and he said to God that for whatever you give me, I will give you a tenth. What he was saying, that was a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Not, not tightening the way we preach it. For him it was a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And listen, one of the things I prove to people is that God said you cannot... You know, what, what we call is that the tithe belongs to God, right? But for, for Jacob, it was a vow. And you cannot vow, it's an instruction. You cannot vow to God that which belongs to him already. No, that's what the Bible says. God gave him as an instruction. If I tell you something is mine, you can't promise it to me. 
So by the time Jacob made that promise, God wasn't laying any, laying any claim to anything. He was operating certain principles in their environment by which they honored people. And that was what was important to God. What was he trying to say? I'm going, you will protect me. I'm, I'm alone. You are the God of my fathers. Protect me, guide me, you know, help prosper me my, on my journey. Then when I return, to show that you did it. You know what Jacob did? He took all the animals he came back with, killed one-tenth of them, and set them on fire. That's what God is looking for. The opportunity to flex his muscle. Let me tell you the truth. You know, I said something last time, that every difficulty is supposed to send us what on what? On a particular um, quest in search of God. Every single difficulty. Say concerning it, where is God my maker? That's what he wants. Every difficulty, no matter how bad, no matter how terrible, ask, where is God my maker? Don't ever forget it. Don't look and don't start whining. Am I the only person? Am I the only person? This country is bad. This country is bad. If I were going somewhere, we are going to drown in the Mediterranean on the way to Lampedusa. This is what people do all the time. Whine and complain. Sometimes when you are dropped in the middle of the desert like that, it looks like there's no fruitful land, ground around. Say, Lord, good. This is an opportunity. Maybe you say you make water flow in the desert. And this is desert now. So you wake up in the morning and say, Lord, let the waters flow. Let water flow. Let springs arise in this desert place to show that indeed he is God. You will see springs. You look down like this, the desert will start bubbling. You wake up one morning, you want to start praying. Your feet are wet. What's going on? Water has started flowing. Over the next few years, what was a desert would have become what? A fruitful field. That is the name God bears. That is the name he bears. Every difficulty is supposed to push us in search of God until his name is manifested in that area. Faith. That's what God is building in our hearts. It comes from knowledge. From understanding. Understanding who God is. The point where we are right now is I want us to understand what he has done for us in Christ Jesus. I don't have to tell us, oh, have faith, have faith. You will have it if you know it. I hope you are getting my point. If you just understand it, you will have faith. If you just... <laughs> this is a story I read long ago. In one full, I think it was Full Gospel's voice. A man who was into the occult. You know, it was an occultic man. Real black magic. Anyway, make a long story short. He got into quarrel with some people and decided to run in mental. He said the way they used to run people mental, they would drop eggs, they would do their incantations and their you know, ceremonies, and then drop eggs and a cock in front of the person's house. So one day he came out, opened his door, came out and saw that the sacrifice had been placed at his door. And he knew that this one would affect him because those who did it were more powerful than him. So he ran away from home. He didn't come back. He didn't come back. But in the, you know, every difficulty, you know, God is always trying to help people. On that journey, he met the Lord. That is, people preached to him. He gave his life to Christ. And he was training the gospel. He was in another city for a while. So after he, has, he had been settled in, you know, in knowledge, he now came back home to that same house. And those guys heard that he was back. So they returned to continue the fight. But he didn't know the man who came back this time around is a different one. But you know when God wanted to show his glory, you know what God did? God made him broke. So one morning he woke up. There was no money. And there was no food. Ha! He looked, Baba God. 
So he prayed, Father God, you have to settle your guy. The man must eat. Next thing he came out, opened his door. You know what he found? Sacrifice. <laughs> they say, the one that drove him away before, this time around, he lifted up his hands to heaven. True story. He wrote the testimony by himself in full gospel businessman's voice. He said, he lifted up his hands to heaven. He thanked the Lord, collected the fowl, collected the chicken, entered the unlocked the door, and did the necessary things. If you know what I mean. Of course, he slaughtered the chicken, fried the eggs, and ate. Ah! He sat and ate breakfast. He said, God, you are good. Knowledge. No, I said faith is not about, um, eh, I want to believe. This fowl will not hurt me. What are you discussing with the fowl for? Kill the fowl and cook it. Once I was in university, this really happened. The day it happened, I wasn't there, but it was reported that day it happened. To two of my seniors. Well, one of them were in the same room. The other one came to come and give them the gist. He said he entered one room where one of his classmates were. They were final year medical students. I was in my fourth year that time. They were two years my senior. He said, oh boy, see what happened to the What happened? He said, I didn't go to this guy's room. Went to one guy's room. He got there and saw food. He saw banana, you know, big banana like this on the floor. A bunch. He saw all kinds of things. So he asked them, what is happening? And you know, boys were standing and watching food. <laughs> Students are the hungriest people on this earth after refugees. I've never... <laughs> They're always hungry. No, students are perpetually hungry. Feed them like a, an elephant now. Then let them walk down the road. You know why? They're always on the move. The brain is moving. The legs are moving. The heart is moving. Everything is moving. So they are constantly humanizing food. Yet, a group of boys sat down and were watching food. So he got there and said, what is going on? They now told him the story. What was the story? Let's make a long story short. One girl from town came to visit one of the guys. And the guy doesn't like the girl coming to see him. No. They felt like she was trying to warm her way into his heart. So this time around, she came and arrived with plenty food. So they were so sure that the food is laced with what? You know what they call love portion? Forget me not. Thank you very much. That's what it's called. Don't forget me not. And you know, that was their reality. Now, for your information, do such things happen? They do. In fact, you know, in Western Nigeria, well, I think till now, Babala was coming in two categories. The good ones and the bad ones. The bad ones are the ones that kill people. The good ones, what they do is improve fertility and do love portion. So your, your farm is not producing. They will have something for you to sprinkle on it, what to say, which leaf to break, what sacrifice to offer, to improve the productivity of your business, or your farm, and your household and stuff. And then they were specialists in love portion. Say, ah. Baba, I've been trying to marry Angela for some time. But Angela is not agreeing. But her mother has agreed, though. Her father likes me, too. But Angela is the problem. Ah, Baba, I said, that's not the problem. That cannot be a problem. Ah, while I'm alive, Baba will give you something. If Angela mistakenly chop, they don't marry. And they do it for men, too. The girl will go and meet Baba, say, Baba, and I really like him. Baba said, what's the problem? Anytime I'm greeting you, do that, he didn't see me. Say from now on, he will not sleep without seeing you. <laughs> <laughs> they will give her something. And when they give her something, and she uses it the way they said, and the man does the thing that says, if he does, whatever it be, that's it. Angela, don't marry the guy. That's it. So, you can imagine where, with all those stories, whether it's true or false, but really, things like that used to happen. But many of the, many of the times, 
those things didn't happen. We just ascribe situations to them. But anyway, what I'm telling the story is knowledge. What knowledge does? So this brother entered the room and heard his story. And he saw the food. He said, so that is all. So if I eat this food, I will marry her. Abi? He said, that's not a problem. <laughs> he sat down and did what Christians are supposed to do. He did what? He gave thanks. As soon as he gave thanks, I can assure you there was a demon inside. The demon collecting slippers. <laughs> Begin work out, come out. The demon left, if there was one. So he, sat, he gave thanks in front of everybody else. Opened the rice, dished the thing for himself, put chicken, put meat, opened the you know, peeled banana, sat down, and was eating in a hurry before they realized what is happening. <laughs> <laughs> the day it happened, he came to our room to gist us. It was when the other boy said, man, is that so? They now kill behind him. Gentiles will come to your light. I hope you get my point. Oh, yes, the brightness of your rising. That was the brightness of his rising. <laughs> when they saw the confidence with which he ate the food. So when he came to our room, that told his classmate who was living with, staying in the same room. That one said, ah, ah, this thing you have done is not good. You should have waited. Come to call me first. <laughs> So that day, he was there, oh, ah, you shouldn't have done that. So I just said, they come. You come and call me. Two of us, we pray the prayer together. We break the rice. <laughs> so, you understand my point? That's what confidence does. In fact, this other person that was saying, oh, why didn't you call me? His dad died long before I got to know him, all right? He was a young person. So one, after I graduated, he was telling us later. No, one of those days, while he was still in school, because I, I think I heard this story while he was still on campus. He went to visit a family, their relatives. So he said that when he was going to go there, the mother warned him not to go, not to go, not to go. Those who are very wicked. Now, this is where I'm going. They are the ones that killed your father. That's what the mother told him. But he was an uncle. So he said, okay, that's not the problem. Of course, next thing is that if they give you anything, don't eat it too. He said, okay, I've heard. So he went to visit his uncle. He sat down. Uncle, ah, that one greeted him. How will school last everything? They brought drink, he drank. They brought food, they got everything. When they came back, when he gave us the gist, he said, even if they kill my father, they can't kill me. That was, he said, this one, my mother, he said, look. He sat there, gisted with the family. They brought food, he ate it, drank everything, got up, and walked out of the house. You know, some people were saying, they said, oh, you eat. No, 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 no. I'm not hungry. You're afraid. Listen, why do people behave like this? That's the point I'm making. It's the knowledge that they have. It's the knowledge that they have. Anytime you want to eat food, just give thanks for it. Listen, I'm medically trained, in case you don't know. Not only am I medically trained, I train doctors. I do. So if it's knowledge, listen. Let me quickly scan this hole. Trying to look for who knows as much as I do here, naturally speaking. Most of the doctors that come here, that come for these meetings, they will tell me, you were my teacher. I'm telling you, I taught them, most. Most that come here, oh, you were my teacher. You taught me pathology. You taught me this one. You taught me that one. So if it is book, I know more than that, that medical book now. Now, most people around here. I've seen people that didn't even go to the College of Medicine arguing with me. I look at this. You should be asking me questions, not arguing with me. What did you know? You went to a blog. 
You went to a blog. Somebody now told you how she don't eat sugar and red meat. And you are worrying my soul. I don't eat sugar. It's not good for you. In front of the people that say, I took two, one cube, throw, you know, cube of sugar, threw into my mouth and chew. You know the way it goes, wow! You know the way hard sugar is when you break it. It snapped in my mouth. I chewed it and chewed it, ground it to powder and swallowed it. Any other thing? You see people carry their food. Curses every day. Does it have cholesterol? That's how they did cholesterol, cholesterol, until four, five years ago. They now announced to us, no, about three, four years ago. No, this coronavirus, we use it to no time and seasons. <laughs> so at least anything that I've known for a period before coronavirus. And so that's about like four, five years ago. It was finally declared that dietary cholesterol does not in any way affect your health. It doesn't affect the level of cholesterol in your blood. Now, I didn't know that before, really. Okay, let me not make I always knew that. What I knew was that the average person around was not consuming enough to be a problem. Oh, I knew that. That they were just copying habits. They were copying solutions to problems they didn't have. I used to tell people, just bless your food and eat. Of course, you're not going to be a gluten, eating 25 times a day. No. You eat everything in moderation. Just give things. I like what Gene Hagen said. He said, if there's no nutrient in it, I put it by faith. He said, if it's excessive, I remove it by faith. If there's something dangerous in it, I remove it by faith. It is not as if, that's what I'm talking about faith. Faith doesn't mean that I'll go and say, if there's something dangerous in this place, I hereby cast you out right now. Danger, pass the right door. Deficiency coming to the left door. You know, no, 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 no. He just takes the food and does what? Give thanks. Thanksgiving is the faith we are talking about. Why can't we do all of those things? It's simply a matter of what? Knowledge. Knowledge. Knowing spiritual things. Knowing that what we see physically, all right, those things that we see on the surface, they are not the things that really control what happens. Let's take death as an example. Death is an appointment. There is no death that's an accident. There is none. There is no death that's an accident. Every single one is an appointment. Every single one. If somebody were to die before the appointed time, he will wake up again. Yes. They say your time has not come. Especially, let me narrow it down. Especially believers in Christ Jesus. If he knew, he shouldn't have gone out. I don't make those such statements. So if he didn't go out, the death will come in. You can't hide from it when it's the day of appointment. If it's the appointed day, you can't hide from it. Spiritual things control what is happening physically. When you're about to be struggling physically, the spiritual things have already been, you know, they've been decided. Do you know the truth? Down to football. In the heavens, the matches are played days ahead. Yeah, I'm not joking about it. Those who are able to see into the spirit, they can t- they tell you that, look, Ronaldo will score in the 15th minute. Give me one of his opponents. I don't know anybody. Messi is not in the same club, are we? Messi will retaliate in the 22nd minute. There will be a goal in the 35th minute that will be disallowed. They will give the details. They will tell you who will win. And they will not win. You know why? Because they've gone ab- above. 
They've seen from there. And they've watched the match Why the people have not yet traveled to the venue. I hope you're getting my point. <laughs> Even football is played ahead. There is nothing you see in the physical that determines... That's, that's why the Bible says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that what we see did not come out of things that were visible. Talking about death. It's an appointment. It is an appointment. If the time to die has not come, you will not go to the place of death. And if you were to go there, the death will not find you. Sometimes you, know, you say, what about a plane crash? For example, a plane crash killed everybody. And what could they have done? Say, which God are you talking about? He could have removed the person he doesn't want to die. I told the story of um, this man, um, hmm, Doctorian, that's his name. And it's also from Armenia, just like uh, uh, the Shakarian, you know, they are there. These are Ryan people. His name is Doctorian, that's his name. I've forgotten his first name now. So one day he was Samuel, right? Samuel Doctorian, yes. One day he was in a plane and the engine caught fire. And that is source for panic. Source of panic. You should panic, naturally speaking. You know why I couldn't panic? Because he looked outside and saw an angel flying beside the plane. So, you knew there was no, <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. You knew there was no cause for alarm. The angel literally carries the plane. Well, of course, the pilot was there struggling and struggling and trying to make sure they land without any problem. But he looked out of the window and saw an angel there. Or either on or lifting one of the wings. So he just reclined. That kind of thing. Paul would just tell the other passengers, don't worry, sleep. Don't worry. <laughs> say, but the engine is on fire. <clears throat> don't worry. There's a firefighter out there. You look at him like, sir, what did you say? We're on 25,000 feet or maybe well, they have dropped to maybe 15,000 feet. He said, firefighter, yes. So just the man recline and say, when we land, wake me up. You know, you look like, what is wrong with this fellow? But you know what happened to that fellow? He has seen what he did not see. He looked out of the window. He literally, I read in his book, he literally saw the angel. So what was I telling him? Relax. I told you about our brother. I've told the story many times. Fear because of news around. So he went to his room as a copper, went to go and pray. Then he felt there was somebody in the room because there, there, there was crisis, all these um, the communal clashes. You hear all this going on in the north now. This was years ago. So he knew the trouble was brewing. The whole atmosphere was charged. They felt there was going to be an invasion by people from one area, and you, don't, you never knew, you never know what will happen. So he went to his room and went and started praying. Then he felt there was somebody inside the room. So he opened his eyes to see. And what did he say? Just someone, black guy like this. He said, he said, extreme, he said the guy is so handsome. He said he had his hands folded. He said he was very tall. His head touched the ceiling. And he blocked the door. So he put his back to the door looking at him. Like, he wanted to say, who are you? See, the guy was just smiling. He said, then the, a kind of peace that I couldn't explain came upon me. And I realized the Lord said, that's your guardian angel. What's God say? Don't worry, go and sleep. Don't worry about anybody firing arrow, firing bullets. Don't worry, you are fine. You will be fine. Don't worry about it. So the guy blocked the door in such a manner that even air 
couldn't pass through. What was God saying? Nobody is passing here. See that guy? Nobody <laughs> is passing. That's what knowledge does. So somewhere doctor said, of course, he just, re- he just relaxed. Took it easy. That is, God was saying to him, today is not the day of death. Today is not the day of death for you. Don't worry. Now, you know what that means? If he had died, as an example, he simply meant it was what? The day of death. So he, whether he flew or drove or he took a keke or a bicycle or a race car, one thing would have happened, he would have gone that day. And in case he decided not to do any of that, he will still die. Shibia was telling the story. Where was I telling that story? Yeah, here. When I heard that one, I said, my God. I never heard that time before. A man sat beside his wife and they were watching TV together. When the program was over, the wife said, come, let's go in. The man was dead. He was not sick. Nothing was wrong with him. He sat down to watch TV. Now, so when we, when we know things like that, okay, we don't try to tackle death from the physical realm. We tackle death from the spiritual. So if we hear that oh, there's an epidemic coming, we don't say, okay, eh, let's make sure, and this is what we're supposed to do. Listen, that's not what will keep us alive. We go into the place of prayer. We can deflect the epidemic. I hope you're getting my point. Yes. I was talking about that plane crashing. No, that one, the picture has been in my mind for so long that if a plane is going to crash, the angels know ahead. Some of the troublesome ones are the ones that haven't pushed the thing down. If I remember this, we used to watch Touched by an Angel. I don't know how many people remember the series, Touched by an Angel. One day, Monica saw Andrew, and he, she panicked. Monica was this nice angel that couldn't do any miracle, all right? Now, I don't mean that it's in derogatory way. I just say she used to talk to people and be nice to them. Andrew was the angel of death. And Andrew was one very nice, handsome guy. So she was there doing her job in a particular house. Then she, saw, she looked outside and saw Andrew coming. So she pulled to the side, what are you doing here? Andrew said, me too, I don't know. Like, <laughs> but she knew that, no, no, Andrew, once you're in a particular place, somebody is going. And she was like concerned. She's an angel. She was concerned that could it be the person I'm trying to take care of that Andrew you know, has come to collect? And, you know, it's a, of course, it's a TV, drama, you know, kind of thing. But really, that's how life is. They are spirits of death. They are angels of death. Some of them are very nice angels. When I say nice, they are not avenging angels. They don't really kill. They come to escort. I hope you're getting my point. Say, come. The Lord wants to see you. So are we coming back? Not exactly. So you will lay down this body. No, really. That's how it is. Now, when we have the knowledge of this, we react differently. I read a story long ago in the book. Not Not even a Christian book. I don't know whether the person was a Christian or not. But the man was sick. He had lung issues, but needed to have surgery. So he was always afraid he would die. So, that particular day, he was just there. A light showed up. One corner of the room, a light just came in from that side. So he looked up, and the person, that light, spoke to him, come. So the next thing he knew, he had left his body, and he followed the individual. Didn't see anybody, just saw the light. It was in the hospital. It was in, on admission. So the person said, okay, you are going, they are going to come in the morning and wheel you from here. They will carry you down here. You will stay here for this length of time. Now, this is where the surgery is going to happen. So they will take you to the theater. Then they will anesthetize you. 
then you will die under anesthesia. I just told him like that. And then they will bring the body out from there. Any other questions? The fellow said, no problem. So they took the top back to his room. Boom, he found himself inside his body again. So he knew he was going to die. Surgery is tomorrow. So he's going to die. I had tomorrow or two days' time. So he decided to write a letter for his wife. What to do. They are two children. Right? They just adopted the second one. So what to do with the family finances, do with this, with this. So he was writing everything down, writing everything down. You now remember that the child they just adopted, they adopted the child maybe a few weeks before that time. And that guy, how will his wife handle the child all alone? And with the older one, I handled everything. So that thought, you know, got to him, he began to weep. So the light showed up again. I said, why are you crying? I thought we had settled this matter. He said, no, that he's not really afraid to die. It's not like he doesn't want to leave. It's just that he's just feeling sorry for his wife. How she's going to cope with everything without him. So the person said, okay, so you don't want to die yet. He said, really, if I have a choice, no, I don't want to. So he said, okay, no problem. You want to die. And the fellow left. Next day, or the day of the, that next day, or only the day of the surgery, which was very close, just like they said, they took him at a certain time, like that guy told him, wheeled him down, as he was told, and during his surgery, he had a long problem. That was why they didn't want to do surgery on him, that he's a high risk for anesthesia, but just they didn't have a choice this time around. So during the surgery, things went bad. And they struggled and struggled. It's hard to stop. They will fight and fight. Finally, he pulled through the surgery and did not die. <laughs> and he woke up. He found he was still alive. And the doctors told him, ah, you almost died. You know, to him, it wasn't news. And he survived so he could help his wife take care of the children. I know one brother in Enugu, he, I've told the story many times. I met him at the mechanic workshop. I was just waiting. This was years ago before um, CVMA started. So one day I was just waiting for the mechanic to finish, finish with my car. He too was waiting. But somebody I knew went to the same church. So we're talking. We're just gisting about spiritual things, life and all of that. And I told me the story of his life. So all his life he used to have this feeling he would die, before, he would only be young at a particular age. Can't remember, I told the story only once, but I used to cope between 33 or 34. Let's just say 34, right? just, to make, just to make the story smooth. He said, I always had that feeling. And I always had this feeling that somebody was following him around. And that thing was so strong. He would be alone in the house. Suddenly you feel there's somebody there. He would check the house, he won't see anybody. He said, There's somebody here. But he never saw the person. So that feeling was always with him. Then one day, somebody preached the gospel to him, and he gave his life to Christ. And that feeling of somebody following him around stopped. Now I know, because of spiritual understanding, even when he was telling me I understood it, there was his spirit of death that was following him about, marking the date. As he, this, he said, one day he just realized that, wait, that feeling has gone away. He couldn't remember you know, when last he had that feeling. I just have not felt this thing for weeks. So he thanks God for that and continues his life. A few days, either a day, not more than three days before that, his 34th birthday, if it was 34, he said, can't remember the exact um, date. In independence layout here, those when there used to be a lot of things in Enugu, the boys just blocked his car. The guy jumped down, pulled a gun at him at close range, and fired. It wasn't like he was resisting. Anything. He was just driving. And while he stopped at somebody's gate, waiting for them to open the gate. When that guy just came to a screeching halt behind them, that guy jumped down, 
pointed a gun at him and fired. Just a few days before that birthday. Why didn't he die? You remember, there's something I found out from scriptures. When uh, Zexis gave the commandment that they could destroy all the Jews, when he changed his mind, he did not wipe out the first commandment. He gave a second commandment that the Jews, that a decree, could defend themselves. So that first instruction that went out to have this guy's life terminated before, be not, so that he won't live beyond the age of 34, was already in action before he gave his life to Christ and God sent another decree that says, thou shalt live and not die. Because a few moments before that, his friend that were driving together said, please, can you just wind down the glass a bit? So he moved the glass to a particular position. And when that guy fired, the mechanism that carries the glass up and down trapped the bullet. Incidentally, the car they came in, the owner of the car was in that car. There were two thieves. He saw everything, went to the police, and reported that I saw them kill the other fellow. When he got to the police, he was also with the police. You know, he heard the story. So, is it what you are describing? The man said, yes. He said, no, I'm the driver. He said, but they killed you. He said, no, they didn't kill you. He said, no, it became an argument. I saw them kill you. The guy said, no, look at me here. The bullet did it. Ah. But I, I told him, I said, well, what that guy saw what was, was what was supposed to happen. The picture was painted for him to testify of, uh, testify of accurately. He was, you are still alive. That spirit of death was told, you can't follow this guy around anymore. But he has set the events in motion to end his life on that particular date. So God sent another decree and told one angel, block it. Now, Angel, angelic hands manifest in different ways. So, so the angel put his hand there, blocked the bullet, dropped into the cab body. They said, oh, it hit the mechanism. That was a physical manifestation of a spiritual process. What am I going to say? Even death is not an accident. So that's why we are not afraid of death the way other people are. It's not as if we will never die, but we know the date is set. We, and as believers, we can discuss those matters with the Lord. And you see Paul will write like that. that. Let's just read that so that it will be that we read something. The letter I wrote to the Philippians. He said, I'm in a straight betwixt two. Chapter one. Let's just go down to there. Okay, I'll start from verse 12, but I'll jump and jump till I get to the very spot where we are going. So now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. It was in prison that time, you understand. So that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. Now I'm jumping like I told you. They describe that different people do different things. Some proclaim the gospel because of selfish ambition. Some and so to make his the imprisonment more distress, more more full of distress. In verse 19, he said, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice, he says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that in all boldness, Christ will even now as always be exalted in my body, whether by life 
or by death. Just by the way, this is one thing I pray about also. John said concerning Peter that he showed by that statement by which death he will glorify God. Remember that? And that's the prayer I pray to God. It's not that we will not die, we will live forever. But that when it's time to die, the death must glorify God. I don't want to hear that I was walking on the road. I fell into gutter and hit my head at the edge. And they are now drowned inside gutter water. <laughs> it's not the will of God, though. Ah, God, that's not glorious at all. I don't want to hear that um, I took fentanyl, sat in a bathtub, and drowned in my own bathroom. Is that good? It's not good. Or that my wife and I had the courage. She didn't know when she pulled the gun and shot me. Habba. Is it not better for Boko Haram to say, deny Christ? You say no. Then they behead you. And you are called a martyr for Christ. Now, if you are just going on the road, you fell on the staircase. Now hit your head on the railing. Are you the only old man in society? I don't want to hear nonsense talk. No, we, we choose one. Baba God, they hear. Either we die peacefully, having given testimonies of what heaven looks like, and we encourage the people behind, or you send Boko Haram. It's true. Or we'll go and preach in communist country, they hang us. That's good now. Say, so deny Christ. Mm, I'm not denying anybody. Say, so deny Jesus Christ. Mm, I won't deny. If we don't deny Jesus Christ right now, we are going to hang you. Uh-huh. He said, all these years, I have served him. And he has been good to me. He has never disappointed me. Why would I deny him now? And you know, those days, it will be, there will be video doing everything. The boldness of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego will be inside your body. They are going to kill you, and you know, in fact, you don't even see the head. You see your head on one corner there. And they say, deny him. He say, God of me. Ah! They say, kill him before he sings more songs. You know? That one was, it will rake one billion views on YouTube. And 100 million will give their lives to Christ. Is that not good death? Or if God doesn't want to use that one, let's lie down at home. They say, please, call Pastor Kemote for me. I heard he's gone to Botswana. Tell him to fly back directly. He will come. Say, how's ministry? Say, fine, sir. I want you to know that heaven is glorious. So take care of the other brethren. I say, ah, okay, sir. And you're not sick. Say, sir, what are you saying? You will understand later. Then they come next morning. They say they are calling that. They come and eat breakfast. And he doesn't come out. And they come there. And he sees a smile on the face. The man is gone. Is that not good? <laughs> I mean, that, that's better. You can remember. It's one of two. We choose one of the other. This falling with the head hitting ground, that one is for just, <laughs> just annoying me. You'll die like a sinner. No, it's not the will of God at all. The Lord is good. So Paul said, let's continue reading. <laughs> Which verse is we stopping? Hmm? Yes, 20. Yes, yes, you're right. He said, so, he said, Christ will even now as always be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. He said, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. He was thinking about rest. He said, but if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I do not know 
which to choose. But I'm hard-pressed from both directions. Can you see that? I'm hard-pressed from both directions. Having the desire to depart and be with Christ. You know, I've said it before. If you've seen the heavenly side, nothing on this earth will interest you. For that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you. With you all for your progress and joy in the faith. So that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Let me quickly say something to us here concerning how this letter was written. He wasn't dictating per se. I mean, like, it wasn't recording into a dictaphone. They were not typing. Somebody was writing by hand as he was speaking on the parchment. Now, I'm going to bring out something here. It was not a pen that flowed easily, like your ballpoint pen that we use these days. So they had to write and dip, write and dip. So it takes a while to write. What I'm going to say to you is this. When Paul began to dictate this, he did not know. By the time he wrote verse 19, he was not yet sure of what to be in verse 25. He wasn't writing the verses. I'm going to let us understand. As he was dictating, he was reasoning. I hope you're getting my point. It took a few minutes for them to complete that. As he was dictating, he was reasoning. So he said, whether to depart and be with Christ, which I really would prefer, okay? Should I choose that? Or, then as he was saying it, he was remembering, if I visit, I'll be able to do this. I'll use the opportunity to stop by in Colise and tell these people this. Kai, I promised these guys that I'm going to do a ministerial um, session for them for about a week. As he was saying it, as he was dictating, he was thinking about those things. So by the time he got to verse 25, said, convinced of this, I know that I will remain. It's not as if he knew it when he was in verse 19 and he was playing them along. No. He was writing and telling them things. And after I put things together, I said, no, no, no. I can't go now. There is work to do. If you see it, it's all about work to do. It was all about work to do in the progress of the gospel, in the establishing of the saints in the faith. That's all that he was concerned about. I'm going to say something here. Even that death is negotiable. I hope you're getting my point. It was negotiable. So after I looked at him, he just said, no. Let's, I've discovered the will of God. I'm not going anywhere yet. And the time came. He had visited those people. And of course, he was released to visit. He had done some tours. He had done his... Now, assuming those things I thought was all I was thinking. He had done the teachings. He had written the, the teachings for them, the letters... He had written like the book of um, Ephesians, that um, exhaustive, um, what do you call it, theological treatise. He had written it. After a while, he looked. He said to Timothy, I don't think there's anything left. Let's read that. He said to Timothy, he said, now I have kept the faith. I have finished my course. Second Timothy chapter 4. Let me just see which verse to start from. Let's just start from verse 5. He was given instructions that Timothy should give or things he should carry out in his assignment. He answered in verse 5, But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. 
In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now let's just, um, I, like, I just want to read verse 10, all right? He said, make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Then Christians have, has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, I believe. Maybe he sent us other two people somewhere, or they also fell in, fell in love with the present world. You know what happened after following this old man for some time? And there's no insurance cover. The guy said, let me go and start a business. Anyway, that just by the way. Let's not talk about Demas now. I just felt like dropping that. Say, only look is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you for his useful to me for service. But in Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. Let's just stop here. Now, why I brought up this issue is that the same Paul who was writing to the Galatians at this particular point in time said, I think I have done everything. I have fought the fight. I have finished the course. And in that process, I did not lose my faith. That's the problem sometimes. In trying to finish our course in life, in all the activities of life, people lose their faith. That's one dangerous thing I found out. Can I just digress for a moment? Let me explain something to you. God, now let me say this quickly, because that's what I wanted to preach today, all right? Maybe this will help me get back into the teaching. I just wanted to introduce why knowledge is important and how faith is built in our hearts just by having information. And that's what I'm trying to explain to us, giving us information, for example, about death. So why we should not be afraid of it? We shouldn't be afraid of it. Just by the way, the witches cannot decide when you will die. They, they themselves are dying. Are you getting my point? They can't. <laughs> Only one person can decide when you, as a child of God, will die. You know who that person is? Jesus Christ. That's all. He's the only person. He's the only person. Nobody else. Nobody else. If you hear that, ah, Pastor Banke died tomorrow. I'm not likely to die tomorrow, so don't be afraid. Ah, okay, where are you going? I'm not going anywhere yet. All right? I have a few books I'm working on, so let me finish that one first. Then we can. <laughs> the Lord is good. But don't think anything, or I don't think that's the problem with Nigeria. It's not Nigeria. Don't think it's the problem the witches have been praying, they've been preaching against them. It's not them. The people that don't like him, there's nothing they can do. Only one person can withdraw me from service, and that's the person I serve. Yes, Jesus Christ. He's the only person. He's the only person. You know, the other day, our Thor Reverend Inca sent me a link. He said, please, Pastor, Pastor Bakari is preaching. Watch it. Of course, thank God for the days of live streaming and all of that. So I quickly joined them as he was preaching. And he says something. In fact, why he sent it to me is that he said, this is what we have been preaching in Enugu here too. The spirit is everywhere. The person in the is preaching the same thing in Lagos. I was so excited that day. He said he went to do programming in so that people stop being afraid of this die, 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 die thing. Then when he finished, in fact, there are two stories he told there. There are many, I mean, if you go online, the video is still there. Uh, why it's, miracles don't just happen. I think the one I watched that was part four. But just watch the whole series, all right? Beautiful, you know, faith-boosting sermon. Beautiful. Please, go online. Go to the ministry website, all right? What's the name now? I don't know. No, now. Citadel Global Song Community Church. Uh Where this woman? The latter rain. Latter rain, stop raining. (laughs) And but look for, just turn it back, search it online. You'll find it on YouTube, on their channel there. He told a number of stories. One of the two of them I remember very well. He said he went to do a crusade in Ottawa those days. He said, no, I went to a pastor, Paul. What's his son name again? He said, so he said he went to do a crusade there. <laughs> and they told him that there's a particular masquerade that comes out 
You know, there's a bit of threat about it. He couldn't do this and he couldn't do that. Women can't look at it. Children, you know, those kind of things. He won the masquerade. <laughs> they should tell the masquerade not to try any nonsense. And by the way, when he was finishing, he said that masquerade would never come out again. He said the man who was the, the, the priest of the masquerade died the next morning. Oh, yes, he died. And since then, nobody has had the boldness to take over that position till today. And the story is telling cannot be less than 15 years ago, maybe longer than that. So I told them you will, that it will never come out again. And let me just tell you something, in case you think you are bold. Go and wear the masquerade, you will die too. No, that's how God does things. When I say this masquerade won't come out again, just look for it and burn it. That's one story. The second one he told, he said, at the end of one of those crusades, I think either he brought his children out or he read out their names. I can't remember for sure the story now. But he told that this one, the name is so so and so and so. It was born so and so and so date. He gave them the full names and the birthdays of his children. So that's why you need to kill people. Kill them if you can. No, nobody, eh, you can't kill them in the name of Jesus. Say, wait, wait, wait. You want to kill children, Abby? This is the name of this one, his full name. This was the day he was born. This is the day this one was born. He gave them the details needed to do the juju. And said, go ahead, if you can. Yeah, family, let's go home. Ah, you know, you should listen to it. All this one of the Christians prayed in Jesus' name, which will not get me. It's a shameful prayer. It's good for your level, at least after this today, you won't pray it again. There are things I won't, if a witch comes to tell me and I say, we are going to kill you between now and next week. The only thing I will not do is to tell anybody, lest you get afraid on my behalf. But one thing I'm setting off is that I can't pray about it. Because if I dead, God will get angry. Because if praying about it means I believe you. I hope you're getting my point. Praying about it means I think you really can do something. I won't tell anybody lest you get afraid of my behalf. I won't say anything. You probably hear me refer to it maybe after one year. In which case, if they were real witches, every single one, assuming they are, let's just look for a number, seven. Hmm? Assuming they are seven, every single one of the seven will be dead or born again. There's no option. Did you hear what I said? It's not as if I go and pray, Father, avenge me of my adversaries in the name of Jesus. Every power that wants to kill me, die, die. die. I won't do anything like that. I will even try my best to forget I had that encounter with you. But one thing is certain. That declaration has ended your ministry. On this side, it has ended it. Unless God has a special wickedness he wants you to do at another time. In which case, he has to even transfer the job to somebody else. That you could look me in the face. You don't even, you're not even, you know the problem with Christians? They don't realize how much witches are afraid of them. I'm not kidding about what I'm about to tell you. Only a suicidal one will look at me, come to me and tell me that. Or a stupid one. You know, there are witches that are stupid. They just initiated them last week, so they are feeling powerful. <laughs> you, know, you know the way, you, maybe you just joined Confrat the week yeah, before. Yeah. You, you, when they ask you once, you go back home. After you nurse the wound, you go to walk out with uh, <laughs> gentleness. But the day you join the conference, you are feeling like, yes, we own this campus. You know, you, you'll be pumping, prouding. You know, they come prouding. <laughs> you'll be prouding. So it's only ones that have just joined. But I, I, I told you, I read one story by which, I don't know whether it's the one in which is a believer now, or the one that was not converted. Say so one witch that just got power decided to come and try her senior witch. She looked at her 
and used her eyes, picked her up with the eyes, and stoned her into the wall. Now, I can't remember whether it's the one that was, was not a Christian that told that story, or the one that was not, was, was not even born again when, he, when she wrote her book. Says so she used her eyes to pick the, the small witch up and flung her into the wall with eyes. Did you hear what I said? No, when I said into the wall, she entered the wall. They had to bring hammer and chisel to release her from the place. After that one, small witch landless said there's hierarchy. If you joined Coven last week, how many offerings have you offered? <laughs> now what I'm going to say is that so those who have experience, they won't try it. They will know. Like that man I told you the story. He said, that listen, if you're in the occult, you know when powers senior to you are talking. Listen, I'm in Christ too. Are you getting my point? My life is hid with Christ in God. If you want to attack me, attacking Jesus Christ. That's why I will go and sleep. Whatever Jesus will do to you, you're on your own. Because nobody missed that fight. All I was doing, Chooks, is praise the gospel. You are the one that says that gospel will not move in this land, and you want to rise up to be a killer of the gospel. You know what God said to Paul? Why are you kicking against the goods? Why are you kicking against the pricks? He's like, Paul, are you so stupid? Imagine you take your ordinary leg, say, I will break down this concrete. Ordinary leg. By the time you finish banging the leg, you, you, you will think police caught you in arm robbery. You know what police do to arm robbers? That's what Paul was doing. This Jesus Christ cannot be successfully fought. He can't be. He can't be. And one reason why he cannot be is that if he does like this, he blows out your life like a candle. What do you think kept Paul alive? Because God, he knew, you know, it's called the patience of God. He knew the purpose he had for him. So say, let's Let's reconcile him with that purpose. If he remained stubborn, he would have died on that road. He said, thus far, no further. Paul is enough. I've allowed you this persecution thing for, enough, for, for, for long enough. Now, this is the reason why I actually gave you life, not to be persecuting people. The reason I gave you life is to serve me. You are going to make this gospel known everywhere. Do you understand that? Paul, look. His name, they just don't call him Saul that time. Like, yes, sir. He said, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus who you've been persecuting. I, I thought you were dead. He said, no, I'm very alive. So these people are not lying. No, they are not lying. I am Jesus. Listen to me. He didn't say, I'm Jesus whose church you have been persecuted. Did he say that? He didn't say, I'm Jesus whose people you have been persecuted. Did he say that? He didn't say, I'm Jesus whose friends you have been persecuted. Did he say that? He said, I'm Jesus whom you have been persecuting. Ah. Paul said, Baba. Don't be angry. I did not know. I thought you were dead. He said, no, I'm alive. He said, so what do I do now? He said, no problem. Proceed into the city. I'll send my servants to you. After that, he served Jesus all his life. What I'm saying is you can't fight this Jesus successfully. Let me talk about Nigeria for a moment. The church will ask, what is going on? Did you hear what I said? Talking about Islamic persecution, you know, this, uh, what we should ask is, what is going on? Because sometimes the Bible says that when the salt has lost its savour, that is what the problem is. You can't fight this Jesus successfully. You know why? The power of life and death, they are in his hands. He holds the keys of death and, and of Hades. 
He said, if I act, who can stop it? If I stretch out my hand, who can turn it back? Nobody. That's the way he is. So that's why I say what I say. If my life is hid with Christ in God, if indeed I am in him, you say you'll be Ajay, you'll be which? Oh, yeah, talk to him. You're not talking to me. And that statement I made before I make it again. If any, any stupid one has the boldness to do that, every single one will die in a short while. No, not because I pray. I don't have time to pray about you. The only one that will survive will be the one that gave his or her life to Christ Jesus. There is no third way. Even if God wanted to use for a wicked job next year, he will find another witch. So the experienced ones know. That's the point I'm making. I wish believers would understand. You say witches are pressing you at night. You are not born again. You are not born again. Or you are a wicked soul. You know there are some wicked souls. One of my friends, a pastor, one lady called him. Needing help, needing deliverance. Why? Because she was oppressed every night by certain spirits. As if they, are, they would choke her and all of that. She won't be able to sleep. Literally, as if they are choking her to death. So he called my friend who is a pastor. Used to be in Enugu here, so it's not somebody that is far away. So that one said, all right, let me pray about it. Then she began, he began to pray. Pray. He was praying for this woman. Who saw, I, I don't know whether he's... Because for me, I don't understand. Whether she's a Christian or not, I don't even get. Because of the kind of thing that's going on. So while he was praying, just he heard two people shouting. She has our money. She has our money. Ah! So he called the lady next. day. said, come, what's going on? Whose money is it that you collected? It turned out. That girl was a foolish girl. Where did I call her? Yes. He said, fools, because of their transgressions, are oppressed. It turned out, you know what she was doing? She, she was dating a rich guy, promising to marry him. That one paid for her to go for masters abroad. She came back, changed her mind. Strategy. It wasn't like, a, the Lord, you know, did not say that. I began to pray. The Lord I began to speak. To, there was no the Lord speaking. She's a criminal. Wicked soul. You know, they are all over the city. Wicked people. The second person, of course, you promising marriage. That one does set her up well, rented a good house, furnished it for her, then she changed her mind again. So those spirits are now pursuing her. And I want Jesus to, <laughs> to cover you. Jesus said, Me, I kept you outside. I wonder, I wonder whether that lady was born again, actually. Seriously. Ah, I forgot how he finally settled the matter. But it's not the kind of thing you now start saying, I bind you. Bind what? Give me my money before you bind me. How can you be holding, owing me money and tell me you are binding me? How can you be binding me? Bind my money first. Give it to me. Then I leave you alone. Really? It's a story. True story also. This one is a preacher. Preacher. I don't know if you're a preacher. Listen. Preaching does not make money. Let's get it clear. There's no point pretending. If you are looking for money, don't come to ministry. Go and work for Dangote. He has a refinery. Abi, you can just be an if you can be an electrical engineer in charge of the power generating sector. He'll pay you well. Pastor came to can't pay you anything. I hope I get my point. I'm telling you, ministry does not have money. It's not a place to come looking for money. If you see a pastor. Driving the latest model G class. Don't envy him. You don't know how he got it. Don't say this pastor, this ministry team pays you. Like one day, one man of God went to a particular place, invited him. So, you know, time to eat is set food up. 
You know this kind of food that all kinds of things they there. There's carbohydrates, protein, <laughs> fat and oil, all kinds of things. He turned and said, after I ate, finished, he said, hmm, this is ministry. <laughs> it was Archbishop with that was presence. Archbishop said, my friend, this is food. <laughs> this is not ministry. This is food. Do you hear? This man of God corrected him. Say, this is food. Don't even equate the two at all. There are those who are in the jungles. Paul made it clear. The sign of apostleship. When he wanted to prove that he was an apostle, he showed how much he had suffered. This is when we want to prove we are apostles. We show our car. It's the size of our congregation. When Paul wanted to prove, are they apostles? They me more than them. He began to show how he suffered. That was the proof of apostleship. Are you an apostle? Say, remove your shirt. Let me see your back. They don't flog you before. No, you're not an apostle. That was, that's Paul. Say, are you saying you're an apostle? Paul will remove his shirt. Say, count, count it 39 lashes twice. You wear the shirt back. You won't quarrel with me? Say, no, sir. You are the senior apostle. Seniority was by persecution. He said, me to have 39 lashes twice. Say, wait, how many times have you been shipwrecked? Say, we'll get one, one canoe accident the other time. I said, shipwreck, not canoe. <laughs> So I, I never cross it. He said, come out. I'm not an apostle. I'm an apostle. He said, I, I fast a lot. He said, no, me, I don't fast. I go hungry. How many times have you gone preaching for four days, no food? No. Any village where they don't bring us good offering, we don't go back. He said, hey, you're not an apostle. Paul's, do you understand? His proof of apostleship was suffering. I know just by, I know, I know we, we always add, add things here and there when we're teaching the word of God. All right? So this pastor, no, I was telling you to say about my pastor. He wanted to make money from ministry. He go meet boys. Say, ah, show us how you are doing it. Now and they showed it to him. There are four people sitting down here. Your phone number is 0806338-6518. Your car number. Was, that your car. What is the number again? <laughs> <laughs> All kinds of things. So your car number is Lagos CX144 NYS. <laughs> oh, if you are here. Like they did to one of our sisters. So you lay that car on the altar. The lady said, eh, which car? <laughs> I didn't blame the mama. No. If you see the car, you too, you prophesy. <laughs> her husband had told her not to go for the meeting. He said, you don't understand. It's not my car. It's my husband's car. He said, this is for the life of your husband. He said, first of all, you don't get it. I can't go home without this car. <laughs> He said, you will not sow a seed of the value of the car. He saw a guy, you're not getting it. I don't know how much they sell motor car. The man I married, buy car, put on for house, and they drive. You're telling me I should sow seed. Do I know how much you bought it? He said, go and think about it. He said, okay, I'm going to think about it. All kinds of things. Oh, God punish poverty. That's his prayer, not me. He's the one that prays like that. No, this, so this man, he started doing that thing. But his own was not a joke. He really used to get... Word of knowledge, but they are familiar spirits. The Bible calls them spirits that are peep and mortar. He went to preach one particular day here. He came back with three cars. Apostle, you know, you go to preach, you come back with one thin envelope. You think it's a check. It's not a check. It's two $1,000 that's inside. <laughs> he came with three cars. Correct ones. I don't think he went and collected one old uh, 1985 model Corolla. No. Three correct motor cars. Drove it to this city. This one. 
I'm talking about spirits oppressing supposed Christians. But those spirits decided to oppress him. Is the one I told that they would push him into the hands of the harlot. He was sleeping with prostitutes, he didn't know. Then they now decided to run him mental. That was when he cried for help. How do I, they were talking to him all the time. He said, I don't want to hear. He said, No, you will hear. Somebody will pass. He has two five in his pocket. <laughs> I, I don't want to hear. How many of you know the story of King Midas? Yes, you heard of Midas Touch? King Midas wanted the power that everything he touches should turn to gold. So the, the gods gave it to him. They realized he didn't want it. Because they brought food for him next morning. He touched his food. A baton to gold. I wonder what a goosey would look like in gold. It turned to gold. And then his daughter came. Daddy, 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 daddy. And she turned to gold. That was it. He couldn't take it anymore. He realized that gold was not that valuable. So he prayed again, please take all your gold. I need my daughter back. But you know when he first got the power, he was touching everything. Just go around. Boom! Touch to gold. Bed, touch to gold. Everything turned to gold. Yeah, I'm going to live in a gold castle. Then he went out, touched his favorite flower. It touched to gold. Ah, Philode. No flower again in my life. He said, no, you want gold. Give me food. He gave him food. Turned to gold. That was when he realized that this gold is not as fine as I thought. That's what happened to this particular minister. Those spirits say, ah, you want, to, you want a word of knowledge now? We'll give you all kinds of knowledge. So he calls my friend. That's the person that told me the story. Please, I need help. What is the issue? He told the whole story. So when that one told me, I said, it's easy now. No, that one, if he came to me, the deliverance is very straightforward. I can deliver that guy in an instant. And I won't pray a word of prayer for him. I'll just say, where are those cars? Pack them in your compound. Where's the house you built? Make sure they are packed in that house. Yeah? Take money. Go to the filling station. Buy 300 liters of oil. Pour it everywhere. And we'll stand together and light a match and throw it inside there. Tell Jesus you are sorry. As it's burning and you're telling Jesus you are sorry, you will see the spirits begin to disappear, one after the other. But if you think you will keep that house and keep those cars and be delivered, you are lying. Those spirits will drive you insane. You will be in psychiatric world. You will hear things. It's you will You will be hearing all kinds of things. Very soon they will tell you, remove your shirt. <laughs> you are laughing. This is what happens. Next thing, of course, remove shirt. You know it's the first stage. Our throws are joined. What are you doing with box yourself? And they wake up at night, they see that you are in artisan market. <laughs> Why? Because you want to build a house. Apart from when we do things like this, Satan cannot. As I told the story of that lady and that man, Satan cannot oppress anybody, any Christian. He can't. What does he want to see the powerful? If he comes, you do him like this, he will move. And this, Satan, anyone you do Satan like that, the truth, I'm te- what I'm telling you is the truth. Christians don't understand it. A lot of Christians, they think that they need to be praying about witches. I say, no, witches should be praying about me. Ah, what kind of insult? I'll be the one praying against you. What kind of rubbish is that? So you people don't know prayer point again? That is you witches. You don't know I'm your prayer point? 
You should be casting, that you should be casting pellets every day that I will not come. I won't remember you. You should be offering sacrifices that my car will not pass your neighborhood. Me, I will not be praying that you won't come near my house. Ah, don't you feel insulted? God forbid. There are prayers I have never prayed. I will never pray. Because of what? The witches will join hands. Hey, thank you, we'll not see us. Oh. Hey, God deliver us from his prayer. Oh. Hey, I don't want to die yet. Oh. Hey, that's what they should be praying. But me, I will not pray that witches will not get me. I, carry, I, I collect one of them. I mean, is one of them my wife? Or is she my girlfriend? What nonsense. Lie, lie. I will never open this mouth to rebuke them. You know why? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Say that concerning yourself. Say it concerning yourself one more time. Say it, I'm seated with Christ, I am seated with Christ in, heavenly places, in heavenly places, far above, far above principalities, and principalities and powers. Is that not so? Say it, my life, my life is, hid is hid with Christ, with Christ in, God. in God. That's what the issue is. It's not about, you know, I'm a prayer warrior. No, it's where I'm hidden. Please, just by the way, let me remind us again. Because sometimes we easily fall for these things. You think because you have prayed, Satan will leave you alone. No. Go and check it. It was after Jesus had fasted for 40 days that the temptations began. Sometimes Christians have this confidence in their spirituality. That is idolatry in itself. The confidence in your own spirituality. Your confidence can only be in what God has done for you in Christ Jesus. It can't be in any other thing. It can't be, ah, we have prayed, though. that program is going to succeed. Why? We have fortified the place with prayer. We have prayed. That is the confidence, is, that is the emphasis on what we have, we have, we have, we have, we have. Why would the program succeed? We believe it's the will of God and it will pour his blessing upon it. Can you see that? It's a different thing. It's a different thing. Maybe in prayer you needed to understand that will. In prayer, you had to hand the program to him. I hope you get my point. But it's not that ah, we are fortified with prayer. We have, set, we have, you know, the confidence. I have told Satan, he can't come near my house, so he won't come. He have to, no. The confidence is, bros, we are in Christ. We are in Him. In Him, we are overcomers. In Him, one of the things I want to talk about. You know, so many things I was planning to talk about today. If God will allow me next time. Right, there was something I wanted to say last time. I said, go allow me next time. <laughs> yeah, allow me this time. Let's see. We'll keep on piling it up. <laughs> we want to talk about that righteousness. Because why are we righteous? It's because of faith, not because of our works. It's important we keep on saying, because sometimes people are still trying to do works so that they'll be able to pray. No. You approach God on the basis of the relationship you have in Christ Jesus. <laughs> One of our brothers, he has repented now, so if, in case you are here, I know you have repented. I'm just telling the story of your foolishness of the past. Are you getting my point? <laughs> he came to you. Oh, no, he say, I don't ask God for anything. I said, eh? You don't ask God for anything. I was surprised. Ah. In this dangerous world, what do you ask him for protection small? I said, why don't you ask God for anything? He said, because I don't know anything that I've done for him. You know, there are things, you know there's something you keep on saying. 
Pastor came with it. That we have to keep saying this because people don't know. I was shocked. Because as at that time, I have known for more than maybe more than 18 years that I don't ask God on the basis of what I have done for him. So I was like, ah, people like you still exist. I burst into laughter. I said, what? I said, what can you possibly do for him anyway? That time, my daughter, or many had not been born, was just um, Akinlu and Benga. So, and he knew the two of them. I said, you know my kids? Say yes. I said, what can they do for me? What can they do for me? Think about it. They were small. One was like, like a year old. The other was like three. I said, what can they do for me? He got my point. I said, there's nothing. But what won't I do for them? What would be their needs that I will not meet if I had the power? I said, they can't do anything for me. The best they can do is to respond. Like maybe if they were sick, as an example, my greatest joy would be the smile I will see when they recover. I know children, they don't know how to pretend. Once they recover like this, they are up and about. No, that would be the joy. I said, is that not it? He got the point. I said, the only reason why God does things for you is because he loves you, not because you have done anything for him. He, he, he did the first, he'll do this, he'll continue to do. You are not, you can't do anything for him. Ah, what can you do? Nothing. So that I keep on reminding Christians. So when we go to pray, we go on the basis of what we are in Christ Jesus. I was saying last time that we are the greatest thing God ever created. We are his prized possession. I hope you get my point. We are what? His prized possession. He said the lost portion is his people. Israel, the allotment of his inheritance. And what is Israel? He said, peace be upon the Israel of God. There is a true circumcision and there is a false circumcision. We are the true circumcision, Paul said, who worship in the spirit and have no confidence in the flesh. So when he said Israel is the allotment of his inheritance, he was talking about you and me. I hope you are getting my point. Yes, the lost portion is his people. He loves us. He does. He does. He watches over us carefully, individually. That's what he does. Listen, what you need to do as a child of God is just make sure you abide in him. And Satan knows. Satan, like I was telling you earlier, listen, all these witches, witches, the witches that have experienced it, they don't go near some places. They know. So the only thing Satan does is he needs to try and entice us to come out of Christ. That's the point I'm making. He needs to. That's the only thing he can do. So the only duty we have is to ensure we don't fall for what? is enticement. And we don't walk out of Christ. Otherwise, there is nothing he can do. There is nothing he can do. God watches over us. We are his prized possession. I said we should open somewhere at the beginning. Huh? Yes, John chapter 3. Let's read that one and then I think I've, um, let's just, why are we even reading self? So that it be, because I said you should open it that time, have we? I think I've made a point for today. Yes, I have. I've made a point for today. The Lord's portion, don't forget it, is his people. 
We are beloved of the Lord. We are beloved in Christ. What did I say? I said what? No, sorry. I said you open where? I said chapter 3. Ah. Okay, because I just realized it should be chapter 1. Sorry, it's chapter 1 I wanted to see. So they just played back in my mind that I must have said 3. It's John chapter 1. It says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The darkness was not able to overpower it. That's the alternative rendering there. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about that light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light. Verse 9. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right or power to become children of God. To those who believe in him, to those who believe in his name. And this one he said, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but rather they are born of who? Of God. Now, I want to just bring out something here. Let's just see whether I can introduce this and then we'll end it there. I was saying that we are God's precious possession. John said later in his epistles, now are we children of God. I want us to understand that. Now are we children of God. It's important we understand this because I've been trying to emphasize to us that you see many times Christians underestimate what exactly God did for them in Christ Jesus. The fact is that we are the greatest thing he ever looked forward to. All his plans, when he created um, Milky Way Galaxy, when he put the sun in his place, when he surrounded the sun with all the planets and asteroids and all of that, all right, and then formed the earth into what it is, when he separated the waters from the waters, when he separated the waters below from the land, and then planted, the, of course, created the animals and everything. That had not achieved what exactly he was looking for. I hope you're getting my point. When he created the man, Adam, he put Adam in the garden he planted eastward in Eden. All right? That had not achieved for him what he wanted. When he put the man there, that's why many people will be saying that a uh, new man will fall. Why did he still do that? A new man will fall. You must understand that Adam was not the aim, Adam was the first step. So whether he fell or stood is kind of irrelevant. I don't know whether you are getting my point. When he made the first man, the Bible says clearly, he made him from the earth, from the dust of the earth, and he became a living soul. That was not God's aim. That was not his intention. Now you see something about when God is creating, because I want us to understand what God made us to be. Listen, you will treat yourself with respect. That's what I've been trying to do since last week. 
looking at the life of a man like Adam, let's just look at how, what God said about him. When God first made him, what did he say? Behold, it was what? Good. Alright? When he made everything, he said it was good. When he came to Adam, what did he say? It was very good. He said, Adam, God made Adam. When after he made the man, he looked and said, Behold, let us just look at it. I say it was very good. Verse, of course, Genesis chapter 1. From verse 26. God said, Let us make man in our image and according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I want to say something which I will, now de- I will not develop. This is not fulfill what God said. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. This did not fulfill it. And I'll prove it to you in a moment. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the, all the earth and every tree which has f- fruit yielding seed. It shall be food for you and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth which has life. I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. Now look at the verse 31. God saw all that he had made and behold, it was what? Very good. All the while, if you go down to verse 25, you see, and God saw that it was good. If you go down to um, uh, all the previous verses anyway, verse 20, 18 as an example, and God saw it was good. But when he came down after he added man to the sin, he said what? It was very good. Now, I wanted to look at something. Verse 18. What's the next line he says? Then the Lord God said, what did he say? You have not there? Chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said what? It is not good for the man to be alone. Wait. When he created him, what did he say? Everything was what? Very good. Suddenly he discovered this one is not good. Was it not alone when he said everything was very good? No, think about it. Was it not alone? And yet he said everything was what? Very good. Then all of a sudden, he's saying that it is not good. Now, what I'm going to say to you is this. Be careful when you're following the plan of God. For each stage, he describes the perfection of each stage. It does not mean he has gotten to the ultimate. When he first got to that stage, everything was perfect. So he said it's very good. Then the next stage, he said, no, it's not good. So what do we do? We bring up another creation. This time around, we have to get a, a, a mate suitable, fitted for him. So he told Adam, all right, go and check. Adam looked everywhere. Went from the giraffe to the chimpanzee, from the chimpanzee, all the way down to the tortoise, everything. Check the whole earth. He said, you see, there's nothing. Now, we're going to do another creation because Adam would have protested when God wanted to remove his rib. Because it is necessary. <laughs> Why should it be necessary? So God allowed Adam to see the necessity of it. So Adam cooperated, and then the woman was made. Now, you will now say, why did God allow them to fall? I'll tell you. Now, I'm not claiming to know everything. Because there's one point I'm trying to get across to you. Don't even for a moment think that Adam was the ultimate God was looking for. And that when Adam fell, it was a tragedy. No, it wasn't. One thing is certain. The Bible says that the Lamb of God was sacrificed before the foundation of the world. Of the earth. You must understand that. So that means, therefore, God already saw ahead where he was going. Because of time, let me quickly jump to where I'm going. What God was looking for. You go and read um, Hebrews chapter 1. He told us that 
God, long ago, he spoke through the fathers, through the prophets. Let's just quickly jump in there. I want to just bring out something for us. I'm kind of watching my time now. I want to talk about the son, actually. He spoke to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us in the son, whom he appointed hell of all things, through whom also he made the world. He is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. Now, notice this. Now, this was where God was going. This is the exact representation of God that he wanted on the earth. It was not Adam. Adam, the Bible calls him the first man that was earthy. But the second man, he said, has become what? A life-giving spirit. What I'm going to explain is that from the beginning, the plan of God, when he, cho- when he took the earth, when he planted Adam in it, Adam was the first step in what he was doing. The real thing that God wanted to do was Christ. It was never Adam. Adam was the means to an end. I hope you're getting my point. That was why when Adam fell, to him it was not a big deal. We look at the sacrifice of Jesus as an afterthought, which is a consequence of the sin of Adam. No, the truth is that God, where he was going, could not have created what exactly he wanted without a sacrifice of himself. It was not possible. Whether Adam fell or not, Jesus had to come. I pray you understand that. Because in our minds, what we think of is that it's an accident. If Adam did not fall now, what are we doing here suffering? Listen, count it all joy when you fall into many sufferings. I hope you get my point. Because what God really wanted, Adam could not be. Because if Adam could be, then he would have equated him with Christ Jesus. And that man was a living soul. And he said the second man has become what? The life-giving spirit. That tells you, therefore, okay, that that Adam was a first step in something that God was doing. And what God is trying to do, listen to me, is to make each one of us like Christ Jesus. What I said, I hope it made sense. Even if it doesn't make sense now, there, there was something, Pastor Paul, you taught us this one in Lagos. I understood it 20 years later. Was it 20 years? Yes. When talking about man and food of champions, I read in his book, in his, one thing he wrote. I finally understood it maybe like five years ago. I read that thing in 1997. It was like five years ago, I finally got the point. So don't worry, you have heard it, Abby. One day you shall get the point. But let me, get to, let me see, quickly emphasize the most important point I'm going to bring out this evening. The point I'm going to make is that God works hard for you. Now, if Adam was the ultimate, if I this will prove it to you, why did he put in the garden a tree of life on top of everything? <laughs> I don't know whether you're getting my point. Why did he put in the garden the tree of life? I, I hope you know that tree was a foretaste of what Jesus Christ would be. Yeah, who gives life? The name was what? Life. That is, even if Adam did not fall, a day was to come when he will partake of that tree of life and become like Jesus Christ. That was when God will have finally fulfilled his plan and his purpose. Listen, I said something to you last time. Eh? He blessed Shem. He blessed Japheth, let him expand. Then he now said, curse be Canaan. If I said that one first, and the servant of servants will be. And that curse affected the earth till today. And I said something to us. You know, like one of our brothers said, 
And I agreed with him until a few days ago now. That when he gets to heaven, he's going to look for Noah. And he'll call Noah and say, Brother Noah, we're in heaven now, there's no quarrel again. But I just need to understand, why would you curse a man like that? What kind of sin could one of your children have committed that you will say he will be a servant of servants to his brethren? Because the state of African nations especially, he hurts this, my brother. If you see the way he talks, he has reverse racism. You know they call reverse racism? And they look white man like this. In fact, what he dislikes most are white Christians. The average white man doesn't annoy him the way white Christians do. You know his reason? He said they are hypocrites. He said they are hypocrites. When you show white people doing uh, uh, charity in Africa, he said they don't love the people, that they are serving their conscience. No, he will show you. He said, look, all these ones they do is to keep on proving that they are superior, that they don't love you, that they will give you, they will keep on bringing aid. Just keep collecting. The day they have the opportunity to equalize you, that they will never do it. That's his own philosophy. One day I gave him some messages by one of the preachers I love. He said, Banky, don't be, don't be angry with me. He has a Texan accent. I can never listen to it. His wife said, Banky, please, understand for your friend that we lived in Texas, rural Texas. And those guys are racist. So that anytime he hears a Christian with a Texan voice, it brings back to him the memories of what he experienced in a part of Texas. So you rather listen to a Nigerian preacher or a European preacher. Once you, or just don't have a Texan accent. <laughs> don't worry. God will heal his wounds, amen. <laughs> now what I'm going to say is that when he said that, okay, you can understand the reason is because of pain. But now we understand, this is where I'm going, that you see, the curse on Ham and his descendants is not actually a problem if you allow it to serve the purpose of God. You will see it actually that is a blessing. What would that curse have done? It would have removed your confidence in the natural man. It will remove your confidence in yourself. It will help you quickly realize because the descendants of Shem they will, be, they will be the most difficult to convert. Just like Jews are difficult to convert till today. Why? We are the people of God. But Gentiles easily believe because nobody ever called them the people of God. When they saw the opportunity to get into God, they jumped at it. But the, the descendants of Shem, Israel as an example, till today, they are still claiming we have Abraham for our father. When God, when that, you know, that, how do they say it? That train, Passed long ago. God is writing something new, but they don't recognize it. But Gentiles who did not have Abraham for their father, he said he came unto his own descendants of Shem. They did not receive him. But as many as received him, Gentiles, to them he gave what? The power to become what? Sons of God. That is, descendants of Ham will be the first to fulfill the purpose of God in all creation. I hope you understand that. Why? Because their pain their disadvantage will have driven them early into Christ. Why some are saying we have Abraham for our father? Was that not what Jesus said? When the Roman centurion said, I mean, you don't have to come to my house. You know what Jesus said? I, let me, I, I want to quote it properly. There's something that he said that time. I know it, but I want to quote it properly because it's something that I don't think I've ever really quoted um, by heart. He said in that time you will see Many people come, and the, what will happen? Let's just say that the one from Matthew, 
in chapter 8. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith in anyone in Israel. I say to you that many will come from east and west, representing Gentiles, and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But what will happen? The sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. In that place, they will be weeping what? And gnashing of teeth. That is, those who say we have the blessing of Shem, they won't, be, they won't quickly believe. But those who have nothing, do you get my principle here? They will come from the east. They will come from the west. Because they, you know, they longed for something which they never had. So they reached out for it as soon as Jesus came. What am I going to say? It will turn out. You know, he said the first shall be what? The last. And the last shall become the first. What am I saying to you? Concerning the purpose of God, which is executed in Christ Jesus, the descendants of Ham, we have the ultimate, can I use the word please? Command, thank you. They will have the ultimate command. I was going to say the ultimate laugh. But we are not really competing. But what I'm going to say, at the end of the day, they will look back and realize that God did them a favor. Because that disadvantage is the reason why they ultimately fulfill the purpose of God first. What is God trying to do in us? Listen to me. We are the most important thing he ever created. I don't have time to get into that further now. But why we read that one is that he made us what? Sons of God. He gave us the power to become sons of God. Now, what we are is guiding and protecting us, having his angels watch over those who will be heirs of salvation. He's working in your life to produce not comfort, but to produce what? Christ likeness. I hope you're getting my point. You know his ultimate purpose from the beginning? To make each one of us like Christ Jesus. That from the beginning was his ultimate purpose. For each one. To be like Christ Jesus. I stopped earlier to say something, which I ended up not saying. That's what I wanted to say, all right? Don't ever forget, don't get carried away. The aim of your faith is to produce Christ in you. Did you hear what I said? Yes, sir. The aim of your faith is what? To produce Christ in you. Don't think the aim of your faith is to produce enjoyment. Sometimes, if enjoyment will not bring forth Christ, God will withdraw it. That's why James said, Beloved, do what? Count it all joy. I've spoken at length, but don't forget this last part I said, because I was trying to connect with something I said last time. Hopefully we'll continue next time. That the greatest thing that God created, the greatest thing he looked forward to, when he selected his earth and began to work, it was so that he could produce Christ in each one of us. And Adam was not like, hey, we cried that Adam fell. God said, that's not a problem. Adam was not where we were going to. What would have been the disaster of the universe is Jesus had fallen. That will have been the one that has no remedy. I hope you are getting my point. If they had come and said, turn these stones to bread, and they had turned one grain of sand to flour, <laughs> that would have been a problem. If you had said, bow down and worship me, that would have been a problem. If you had said, jump down, and Jesus jumped down, that would have been the real problem. Anyway, there's no point imagining it, because you and I would never have existed if that happened. As for the falling of Adam, as for the curse of Ham, rejoice. Ultimately, God will make all things work together for good to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Hallelujah. I have said everything I'm supposed to say, but I don't want to stop talking yet. I just need one more minute. <laughs> the Lord is good. Brethren, let's get used to this kind of knowledge because I'm tired of Christians who walk without any regard for what God has done in them. When you see what them talk sometimes, no, Jesus literally ashamed. 
This is what I died for. The rank Buhari, our president, higher than themselves. That Buhari is the reason why I can't eat. Jesus said, is that so? Let me go and meet Justin Trudeau, whether he will give me food. Jesus looked, eh? What's the name of the British Prime Minister? Boris Johnson. Notice what is really upside down. Anyway, let me not let me not start. Let me not start. Let me go and meet Boris Johnson without he give me food. What's the name of the guy in South Africa? I don't know that guy's name. Huh? Can you pronounce it again? Ramaphosa. Uh-huh. Let me go and see whether he will give me food. Or let me go and beg Aliko Dangote. Let me tell you the truth. If you ever have that kind of mindset, you are causing Jesus Christ to weep and just shake his head. We need to have the mindset of the son of a king. We have to have the mindset of the son of God. Realizing that you are the most precious thing that God ever created. Of course, not just you as an individual. You as being part of the body of Christ. And if indeed you are, you should know that it's watching over you carefully. There is nothing you will need that you will not supply. If there's any hindrance to supply, you are the hindrance. So spend your time removing the hindrances. Because indeed, God loves you with the ultimate possible love on this earth. That's on this earth, in the universe. Can you close your eyes for a moment and think about that? You know, if your husband loves you, or your friend loves you, or your wife loves you, feel good. Or your father loves you. Now think about it. God loves you ultimately. Let me tell you what love means. It's always watching out for your benefit. Always trying to do you good. Your heart touches him. That's what love means. That is what love is. Like I said, Adam was not what God was doing. Adam was the first step. Christ has always been that which God is doing. It's always been Christ. Nothing else. It's always been Christ. Ah, we are privileged though to be believers. Think about it. I want to give a lot of thanks for that privilege. People think being a Christian is about going to church. No, no, no. It's the privilege of being loved by God, of being special. Sometimes I hear Christians talk. In fact, somebody told me that Jews are special. I say, you don't, don't insult Jesus like that. Any Jew that will not come into Christ does not know what it means to be special. Only in Christ can you be special. Think about it. And you are in Christ. Ah, I appreciate God. Though. Let money not be the thing that's measuring your worth. You are precious in the sight of God. He watches over you like the apple of his eye. Apple is pupil. The way the eyelid, bam, anything touches it, it slams down. That's why, you know, basic lack. Jesus, I like the way David Paulson says it. If you worry, it means that you are, you see, you are slandering the name of God. That he cares more for his pets than he cares for his children. Give thanks because indeed you are accepted in the beloved. God loves you. God, that is, he cares deeply for you. Everything that pains you, pains him. He can exhaust, like the Bible says, with the feeling of your infirmities. Jesus, you know, I, I probably get the point. This is what builds faith, for you to know what God, unless you're not born again. I forgot to mention that. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, say, just write down your sins, say, Lord, into the kingdom, accept me. Into your kingdom, accept me. Right now, into your kingdom, Jesus, accept me. Let's continue to give the Lord thanks for the word we have received for opening our eyes to this truth. That we are special. 
that our Heavenly Father cares so much about us. Oh, let's give the Lord thanks. Say, Father, Lord, I am grateful. Personalize it. Give him thanks. You are precious in the sight of God.